Are you tired of thinking you found the right partner only to find out you were wrong again? Are you having a tough time establishing a long-term relationship or building a family life that is thriving and enriching? Let relationship and family coaches Weldon and Debbie help you find that ideal mate or build the kind of relationship you've always wanted. Great relationships and families don't happen by chance, so don't take a chance with yours. Let Welton and Debbie equip you with techniques and provide guidance for establishing a solid foundation for dating, a long-term relationship, and a successful family life. Now, your coaching hosts, Uncle Weldon and Aunt Debbie. Welcome back, and thanks to all those who listened to our last cast and provided feedback and told others about it. Now, we want to recap on what we talked about last week about communications. And for those of you who have good communications with your mate, family, and friends, you know how enjoyable it can be and how you like spending time together. And for those of you that did not have good communications with your spouse or your family and friends, you know how frustrating and stressful it can be when you are together. We talked about communications being more than just what you say. It's also how you say it and the body language that you say it with. And good communication is built on trust, honesty, respect, and support from the person that you're communicating with. Ensure that the message that you are trying to send is the message that the listener is receiving. And the way to do that is just simply have some recaps in your conversation. So after you've given a message, ask the other person what they heard. And then communication uh, with immediate and extended family members should be honest and open, appropriate and respectful. And with our children, we want to create or model a safe environment where children can develop good communication skills. Children should have the freedom to be vulnerable, and they should also have the freedom to be candid with you. So in order to help them develop good communication skills, we have to lay that foundation for them and create a safe environment for them to communicate. Last week, we also shared some communication tips. Communication is two-way. You have a sender and a receiver. So you're either in one or the other positions. You're either speaking or you're listening. So be a good listener is one of the tips that we shared. Think before you speak. You know, you want to be cautious and not be hasty to give responses. Identify the problem and attack it together, not each other. Oftentimes in communication, we get caught up in our feelings and our emotions. And instead of staying on topic, we begin to attack the person. Once we realize that the communication is beginning to break down, that's when it's time to um, step away and regroup before you finish that conversation. Another tip that we shared is being able to admit when you're wrong. If you've said something or have done something in a while you're communicating uh, with your partner, just be big enough to say you're sorry and uh, apologize for it and then move forward from that point. And then when you're communicating, you want to show interest and concern for what it is they're trying to say. Before we go into this week's discussion, we want to remind you that it's not the intent of this broadcast or the guidance that we provide to replace the service or treatment of a professional counselor, advisor, or mental health provider. 
Last week, we received a question from one of our listeners that was in reference to broadcast two, dating 101, how to find that great mate. And the question is, what if signs aren't seen? Everything is going well, then hidden sides come out. In addressing this question, there's going to be some additional questions or assessing of your situation that you want to give consideration to. So for example, one of the things that I would want to know or that you'd want to know is how long had you been dating? Did you date long enough to notice some of the signs? And sometimes we think that the signs are hidden. You may have just overlooked them on, and then they became more evident. And ask yourself, what are these behaviors? Do these behaviors go against your principles? And are they against your deal breakers? Remember, those are some of the things that we talked about in that Dating 101. Another thing, are, are these behaviors abusive in nature? Is this person being controlling? Are they being aggressive with you? Is it manipulative? Those are not behaviors that will build a healthy and trusting relationship. Remember, we cannot change anyone. We can only change ourselves. So if you have had a conversation, when that's one of the things that you have to do is once you've identified these concerns is that you need to address them with the person that you're dating, but you cannot change that person. You can only bring it to their attention and they have to be willing to change. And if that person's willing to change, once you bring it to their attention, they have to take ownership and responsibility for it. They have to acknowledge that, yes, I have been demonstrating these behaviors. Or I am doing these things, but they must be willing to change for themselves before they can change for the relationship. And see, that's one of the things about spending time together before you get too deep into a relationship or too committed in a relationship. Because a person can hide things for you know, a period of time when they're not around you or they see you periodically. But eventually, over time, the true them will come out and you just have to be cognizant to those signs that you see being demonstrated by them. And then you also have to be true to yourself. Uh, as Debbie mentioned, is this particular behavior or is this particular thing something that is a deal breaker for you? And uh, be true to yourself. If it's not something you want to deal with on a long-term basis, then you may have to make a tough decision. Now, keep in mind that the uh, decision that you make will be different if you're single and just dating someone or if you're married to that person. So all of that has to be considered. Remember, good relationships have mutual trust, respect for boundaries, and honesty. So let's get into today's discussion. Money does matter in a relationship. In a 2018 survey report released by Ramsey Solutions, a company owned by best-selling author and personal money management expert Dave Ramsey stated, the number one issue couples fight about is also a topic many couples avoid discussing, money. According to our survey, money fights are the second leading causes of divorce behind infidelity. Results show that both high levels of debt 
and a lack of communication are major causes for the stress and anxiety surrounding household finances. And you know, money and finances are mentioned more than 800 times in the Bible. Now that may seem shocking, but it just goes to let you know how important money is. God thought it was important because he knew how it would impact a relationship and a family situation. And money management and finances are not normally a discussion that takes place in the average home around the dinner table, except to talk about the money that they don't have. And investing in money management is not even taught in the school system, either at the secondary or at the college level. If that's not your particular major or concentration of study, then it's not really discussed. And many people learn about handling money and investing through trial and error. And so it's no wonder that money is the second leading cause of divorce and broken relationships in America. I know I had to learn money management and finances through trial and error, but I was determined not to have my children have to go through that same learning process. So let me tell you a story about how I chose to go about that. And some people may see this as being corny. And and I know at the time, uh, some people didn't understand why I did what I was doing with my children. When my children got to the age of earning what we call an allowance, what I did to help them understand money management is that I treated it as if they were getting a salary. So each week or whatever the time period was that they would receive their allowance, what I would do is also give them a pay stub with that allowance. And on that pay stub, it would show the amount of the income or their allowance. It would show what I had taken out for charitable giving. Uh, It also showed what was being put aside for them in savings and what their net spending amount was. And I know it seemed kind of odd, but I would explain to them why I was doing it the way that I was doing and to help them get into the mindset of earning an income, contributing to charitable organizations, putting money aside for savings, and then spending what they had left after they had taken care of those others' responsibilities. Now, I know they didn't fully understand or grasp it at the time, but what it was doing was teaching them how to handle their money and implement good money management principles. When I provide premarital counseling for couples before I perform their wedding ceremony, one of the things we talk about is money and finances. And what I find out is that this is usually a subject that they have not talked about in great details. And sometimes they feel uncomfortable talking about it in front of one another. Had I received this type of support as um, a young person, this really would have helped me to avoid a lot of financial pitfalls. One of the misconceptions is having a high income is the same as having wealth. A high income does not automatically lead to wealth. If you don't know how to manage your money, you will not get wealthy. You will spend just as fast as you make. And if there's no savings, if there's no investments, there will probably be no long-term wealth. Now, wealth means many different things to different people. Basically, wealth is determined by 
taking the market value of all your assets and subtracting them from your debt and seeing what you have left to live off of. And is that enough for you? Now, part of wealth is also having assets that will generate an income for you, such as property or other investments that you have. Even if you win the lottery, chances are you will not remain wealthy. The National Endowment of Financial Education reported that in 2016 article, 70% of lottery winners end up broke within a few years because they think they have a bottomless pit of money and they spin, spin, spin without a care. And some pro athletes end up the same way as lottery winners when they get a big payday if they don't know how to manage money. Now, when you get married, you're supposed to become one in everything, and that includes your income. So there is no more, this is my paycheck and your paycheck, but this is our income, all that we bring into the household. Same as debt. So whatever debt you have and whatever debt your partner have is now a total debt. Investments are the same. Whatever investments we have are shared investments. And the same goes with material possessions. Remember, when you're becoming one, everything is included. You bring everything to the table. So your income, your debt, your investments, and your material possessions are all shared. And sometimes this can be difficult if you've not experienced it or if you have not seen it before, even in your family or in your upbringing. Money is where the line is often drawn with couples. That's where some of the problems can begin because it shows a lack of complete commitment to the marriage. When you're not willing to be completely open and transparent, it can pose a problem in the relationship. And the other thing it can show is distrust of your spouse. If you're not willing to share your income with your spouse, uh, your possessions with your spouse, that might mean you don't actually trust that person. And some people think they have some really good reasons for why they're not sharing their income and their possessions. Some of the reasons are a need to have something for a rainy day, like a divorce. Other people feel like their partner is not a good money manager. And so since they're not a good money manager, I have to keep money aside to take care of the household. Or even if you just don't trust your spouse, that's a reason for keeping hidden money. Another reason a person may hide money is because they feel like they've had this money before they entered into the relationship with their spouse. So they keep this money for themselves. Now talking about transparency, when I proposed marriage to Debbie, we started to plan our future together to include finances. And we got down to the details of our financial situation before the wedding. We already knew in general terms uh, what our financial status was or situation was because we had spent time talking about what our long term financial goals were and determining if we were financially compatible. But we didn't know all of the details of what each other had. So when we started planning our future, we put everything on the table to include what we made in salaries and income, what we had in savings, what we had in investments, all of the debts that we had, 
and any other material possessions that we may have had, we put it all on the table. And we felt this was one of the key foundations of establishing a good, strong relationship. Debbie and I had different financial mindsets based on our experience and education with money, but we had the same financial goals. And that was to acquire wealth, be able to live debt free, and also be able to build a retirement for later in our lives when we were at that point. And we were willing to work together to achieve that and make whatever sacrifices that we needed to make to achieve that goal. And we found that having different financial mindsets wasn't a hindrance. What we did was uh, we used it as a balance for both of us in order to achieve our financial goals. For instance, I tease Debbie a lot about being frugal when it comes to money. She likes to count every penny. She likes to save every amount of money that we can save through any type of new contracts we enter into or any type of spending that we do. And she, as she always says, she values her coins. Now, I, on the other hand, keep a detailed record of what's in our bank account and what we have available to spend. And so I would be willing to purchase some things that may be a little bit more than what Debbie would be willing to purchase. And I have to remind her at times that, yes, we can afford to buy this. Yes, we can afford to upgrade to this or upgrade to that. But I appreciate that about her because it helps to keep me in check and and it helps to keep our mind focused on what it is that we're trying trying to achieve. Now, both of us are savers and not spenders. Although we like nice things and we do buy nice things for ourselves, we don't spend extravagantly just because we can, because we have a goal in mind. And that goal is to put every amount of available money into our investments so that when we're at that point where we're ready to retire, we can retire and be very comfortable and not have to worry about money. Weldon is exactly correct. I do like to count my coins. So let me share some interesting findings from the Ramsey Solution survey. So the survey says nearly two-thirds of all marriages start off in debt. Only 40% of couples married more than 25 years started off in debt, while 86% of couples married five years or less started off in debt which means twice the number of younger couples started off in debt than their older counterparts. It also read that one-third of people who say they argue with their spouse about money say they hid a purchase from their spouse because they knew their partner would not approve. It also read that 94% of respondents who say they have a great marriage discuss their money dreams with their spouses compared to 45% of respondents who say their marriage is okay or in crisis. And finally, 47% of respondents who say their marriage is great also say they and their spouse work together to set long-term goals for their money. Let's talk a little bit more in detail about how Debbie and I manage our money and our bank accounts. And I know a lot of people won't agree with this and you may think that we're crazy and you're ready to turn off the podcast, but just listen through because we have found this is what's successful for us and helps to build a strong relationship. We have one central bank account where both of our incomes or both of our salary 
go into. And this is the after tax salaries and after investment. All of that money goes into one central bank account. And then from there, we receive an allowance from that account. That means both of us have two separate savings or checking account that is non-accountable to one another. That means that we can spend whatever we want to spend, however we want to spend our allowance, which also prevents us from having to hide things from one another. Because if we're spending from our allowance, then that's money that we don't have to account for uh, and the other person shouldn't have a need to ask about it. We also have a separate vacation fund that we've set up that comes out of that main bank account. So when money goes into it, we automatically have a transfer set up to fund that account. We do the same with our emergency fund account. Money is transferred automatically from our main bank account into our emergency fund account. And we're able to accomplish this without worrying about if there's enough money in the account because we have an approved spending plan that we put together every year. Some people call them budgets, but budgets tend to give you the mindset that you are restricted from how you use your money. But really a spending plan just lets you know how you're spending your money and it helps you to plan how you spend your money. And even if you're single or have no children in the home, it's still good to have a budget or a spending plan so that you know how to spend your money, where your money's being spent, and to help you plan for the future. So a budget doesn't have to be a dirty six letter word. Debbie and I start every fiscal year with a balanced spending plan. And what we will do is we'll pick some nice place to go with, whether it's on our big annual vacation or just a, a nice location where we can go and talk about our financial goals and our financial future. And what we will do is we will have a spending plan in place that we would have talked about all of our debts, all of our investments, the changes in our incomes. And we will go over the spending plan to include what it is we plan to give to charitable organizations, what we put aside for emergencies, what we put aside for vacations. And we go through and we discuss this plan written down and then we approve this plan. And that's what we put in place. So when it comes to having the automatic withdrawals coming out, they're already accounted for in our balanced spending plan. And so we don't have to watch our bank account like a hawk to see if we're overspent because we know where every penny of our money is going. And when there are some changes, then we go back, we look at the spending plan and we make adjustments from there. Now, if there's a major purchase that one of us wants to make, and we don't have enough money in our own personal spending accounts, what we would do is we would talk with each other about what it is we want to purchase that will have to come from our main account. And then we can look at the main account to ensure that we have enough money in there to make that major purchase. And then we do it. Now, there are times when we may need to make a purchase and not have time to talk to each other. That's where the trust factor comes in because we know we have the same financial goals and we know that we're both are not spenders. We can make that purchase and then notify the other person of the purchase later. But being totally transparent with our accounts and each of us having full access to all of our accounts except our individual spending accounts, 
we know what our financial status is and we're able to make those purchases with confidence in knowing that we have enough money in the account to make it and that it's not going to be a big fight over that purchase because we trust one another and know that we're working within the best interest of our household. There's a book that I highly recommend to everyone listening. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon, and you can also get it in the audiobook version. This book talks about handling money and handling finances in order to get out of debt. And just to give you a brief summary of what it calls seven cures to a lean purse, it says a part of all you earn is yours to keep. Save no less than 10%. Control spending with a budget. That means having a spending plan. Multiply your gold or your money by investing. Guard your money from loss by not trying to get rich quick or listening to people about investments that have no experience with it. Own the home you live in and pay it off quickly to have more money to keep. Number six is to ensure future income by planning investments that will provide income. And number seven, increase your ability to earn by improving your knowledge, skill, and effort. Now, if you'd like to know more about how Debbie and I go about doing our budgets or our financial planning and the tool that we use for budgeting, feel free to send us an email and request more information or to ask us any specific questions that you would like us to discuss with you about budgeting, finance, and investments. And we just want to remind you that we are not financial planning experts, but we have found that this is what works for our relationship and prevents us from having arguments about money. Now, there's a whole lot more that we can talk about when it comes to money and finances, and we may need to cover it again in the near future. But that's all we have for today. We hope this cast was helpful and encouraging to you. And don't forget to send us your feedback and questions either by email or directly on the site you're listening to. You can also rate this cast and give us a thumbs up. You can also send us some suggestions on topics you'd like to hear us discuss. And remember, tell someone about it and share the link on your social media site. We appreciate the help in getting the word out about our broadcast. Now, next week, we'll be discussing the art of turning your house into a home, establishing and sustaining enriching family and home life. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We hope you found it informative and encouraging, and we'd like to get your feedback. Whether you're listening on iTunes or on podbean.com, you can write a review about today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast and tell your family, friends, and colleagues about it. We appreciate your help. If you have a topic or question you would like us to discuss on one of our shows, send it to us by email at axweldonanddebbyoutlook.com. Tune in again next week for another broadcast of Axe Uncle Weldon and Aunt Debbie about dating, relationships, and family. God's blessings to you. Goodbye.